Welcome back to the Swim Swam Breakdown. I'm, I'm Coleman Hodges coming to you from Austin, Texas. We are joined by Swim Swam editor in Keith, in chief, Braden Keith from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Yin Yin Lee from Evanston, Illinois. We are, th- it's, it's the, it's the in-between day. We have <laughs> one day between world championships and the beginning of the Power Five Conference Championships. How are you guys, how are you guys holding up? We were good. We were going to take a day off today, but then we decided, nah, we'll just record a podcast. I missed you guys. I haven't <laughs> seen you in forever. Coleman or uh, Union looks like she's coming from the Evanston prison. What is written on the wall? <laughs> I don't know. I reserved like a core room in the library so I could record this podcast without there being background noise. And there is a lot of writing on the wall, and a lot of it's in Korean, so I don't understand it. And, and Yunyan doesn't speak Korean, she speaks Chinese for those yeah. who are, I'm sure. Well, today we're here to discuss the writing on the wall, the swimming wall, <laughs> after after the 2024 World Championships. Uh, because I want to know what you guys are thinking, uh, not, not necessarily coming out of Doha, but going into Paris. You know, I mean... Uh, Claire Curzan, I, I was the swimmer of the meet on the women's side, and I'm drawing a blank. Who is it? Daniel Whiffen? Daniel Whiffen was, yep. was the swimmer of the meet on the men's side. But I, I, I want to know uh, more about what what's what was indicated to you heading into the Olympic Games because Claire Curzan for me didn't move necessarily move the needle as much as other swimmers did. Yeah, she her her needle moving was just because of last year, where she wound up in the emergency room um, and didn't make the U.S. team at all. You know, it's it's not like she she clearly made herself a favorite to win at U.S. Olympic trials in June. Um, you know, like I wrote yesterday, they need to find a way to get her on the team just because she provides so many options for the relays, um, which is something they've they've proven to need, especially after adding the mixed medley to the, the schedule. Um, you know, Kate Douglas just continues to swim fast in season. Um, I don't think we've seen the best from her, but, you know, she's just doing Kate Douglas things over and over again. Um, so from Team USA perspective, I thought there were more good things than bad things, which is not not how we've come out of the last few editions of these meets. Um, <laughs> you know, myself included, we've been pretty down on Team USA. And even though this was a smaller team, I think it was a a positive meet for them as much as it means um, sort of a stepping stone toward Omaha. I'm a little bit more down on Team USA than Braden is. <laughs> really big shocker, someone's more negative than Braden is um, about something. <laughs> but because I don't think any of those results prove that Team USA is in a better position than they were coming out of Worlds last year. There were still plenty of missed opportunities for the team in terms of gold medals. And a lot. Uh, there were a lot of events where they were favored to win, but just did not win. Um, you don't think Carson Foster's 143 in the 200 free is, a, is Team USA in a better spot than last year? Okay, that 143.9, he was a 144-something <laughs> relay swimmer before. That's not a big difference. Yeah, I but mean, 143 feels cooler. <laughs> does feel cooler. We are so starved of fast swimming in the 200 free. Our standards are becoming. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the bar is very low. 
But I mean, I'm not gonna. It, it wasn't a bad made for Team USA per se. There, there were good parts. I just don't think it moved the needle as much as people think it did. Because like Kate Douglas, very, me. <laughs> yeah, very good, but still doesn't really have an established clear pathway to gold. She could win gold, but I, I, I don't. There isn't like a clear pathway. Yeah, and I guess that's that's fair because. I think there were positive results for for the American swimmers, but you're right. There, nobody came out of that meet where we say, "Oh, well, now they're shooting for gold," whereas before they were not. So, and in, in, as we know, last year medals weren't the problem; gold medals were the problem. Yeah, really, the only sw two swimmers that moved the needle in terms of gold medal uh, performances is Pan Jenlo. Obviously, he broke a world record, and then. Angelina Kohler from Germany, her 100 flat performance was probably one of the stories of the meet for me. And maybe Tang from China too. Oh yeah, yeah, and her. Yeah, I feel like as as a whole, China really performed well, and some of their star swimmers became more of star swimmers in in Pan Jenla and and um, sorry, Tang. I'm glad the Indian had to say his name first, so now we know how to say it. <laughs> I've, I've gotten so many comments about saying it wrong at this point. But, um, and then South Korea also on the men's side had such a great meet. Uh, they started out a little slow, but then they picked it up in a hurry. Yeah. South Korea won gold on the very first day. <laughs> yeah, like Kim, Kim Woo Min in the 400 free um was was a shock was an uh Ahmed Hafnawi-esque per performance circa 2021 Tokyo Olympics right where he just kind of came out of nowhere and did it and then their 800 free relay like I think they have a shot at gold in that I think probably less so than China or the U.S. or maybe Australia but yeah it's tough to win uh, gold with a 146 it is, but do you? Does anyone off the top of their head know Yang Jae-hoon's best time? No. Who they went... definitely have always had kind of a flat leg on that relay. Yeah. Yeah. So he. Preview, so I should know. He also... led off in one forty-seven, but then they had forty-four-nine, forty-five-four, forty-three-seven. So it's like. Yeah. They got a lot of pieces that are there. He did yeah. pretty good this year, but Huang Sun Wu has had a few meets where he hasn't been as good on relays as. That's true. Like Worlds last year. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know who I was excited about? Mm. Taylor Ruck. Ooh. Yeah. You know, she had some, like, did she win any medals? She probably won some relay medals, but she had some, um, she had some nice relay swims and, you know, it just feels like these Canadian Two women, bronzes, by the way. Yeah. yeah. It feels like um, these Canadian women are kind of like on this very long stretch thread of of holding on to metal position um but you know they they somehow keep coming back penny alexiak when she swims just fights back and becomes pretty good again and taylor ruck does the same thing um i don't know that's exciting for the canadians especially now with with china they've been kind of cemented in that third place third or second place spot in a lot of relays for a few years now um but with china and a couple other countries coming on hard it's going to be it's not going to be as much of a given that they're going to stay in that spot. Um, 
But I think seeing Taylor Ruck back will help a lot because she can fill three relay, four relay spots. Yeah, I mean, I'm really happy for Taylor Ruck, but I think the biggest takeaway from her success is that Summer McIntosh will not be forced to sprint. <laughs> well, yeah, she might be. Let's not go too far. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least not in the medley relay in the finals. Yeah, like, yeah and the Canadian breaststrokers yeah. with what they're doing. So, yeah. yeah, maybe Summer won't have to be on the medley relay, which would be huge yeah. for her. Yeah. I But I wonder, like, if she's having a meet – would they put her on any? I mean, I it all depends, right? But yeah, it's I mean, like it will be the I last day to meet, and she's yeah, she all would be cooked from like the five events that she's. And they're not going to beat Australia or the U.S. Yeah. So like the upside is going from bronze to a faster bronze. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. Some of these, sometimes people make bad decisions, but that's not a choice that I would make. Especially, and they've been pretty conservative with her. So yeah, hopefully I, that continues. I agree. I I guess I'm just wondering if they're conservative t approach will kind of end in Paris. Like if they'll just be like, well, you're having a great meet. You think you're up for anchoring the medley. And she's like, yeah. Like, I wonder if they would put her on it anyway, if she splits, you know, 52, five. Where does that fall on the schedule? Is it's it last. after everything? Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. So it's like, if you're, if you're feeling good, but um, you know, hashtag Herbie effect for Taylor Ruck. Um, I did an interview with her when I was at ASU in December and I think she's in a good place with her swimming and kind of getting back to where she was, but she had 52, nine anchor on the, on Canada's bronze medal medley relay. And then 53, two, she made the final of the 50 free. So yeah, it seems like she's kind of inching her way back to where she was before, um, and getting some speed with the sun devils, which is good to see. Any other uh, parting thoughts? I know you guys love when I ask this question. Um, from these world championships, any any takeaways that you think our audience need to know? Am I a bad uh, ambassador for swimming if I say that the meet was kind of boring results-wise? Oh, I disagree. I enjoyed the meet much more than I thought I was going to. I, honestly, I think both are true. <laughs> um, to me, like, it is a February world championships in an Olympic year. So I, I think we kind of knew people were going to be at their best for the most part, but you know, hundred free world record, you can't scoff at yeah. that. And then yeah. even though the times were not, I think for the most part where we would normally see them at a world championships, seeing this level of swimming long course in February, still pretty exciting and i thought there was a lot of good stuff for the nerds you know we had we had a few guys bust shane casas greg paltrinary half noe who i don't know man the the what you're hearing what what the you trajectory hear is not in the right direction. people around him it's it's not clear if he's going to get his trajectory back on track I, i'm i guess i'm a little concerned about whether he's going to be able to get back to the u.s anytime soon um because i think uh I think he left Indiana while still on his student visa and maybe overstayed the terms of that visa, which can make it hard to get back. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'd love to hear some honest thoughts from him, given the success he had while training with Indiana and then making a change anyway. Um, you know, there were, I, Finley Knox has been injured for 
a longer percentage of his career than the average 23 year old has been. So, you know, seeing him run down Carson Foster and Shane Casas on the under the 200 IM, I thought was a lot of fun. Siobhan Hawley was kind of mediocre in the freestyle races, but she went 105.9 in the 100 breaststroke, which just makes me want to badger her into swimming it at the Olympics, even though I know there's an event conflict. But um, with her and Kate Douglas sort of both now having those same event conflicts, maybe. The schedule's due for a rewrite. Um, Merritt Steenbergen, man, talk about a story. She was, I don't know if you guys remember her, but she was good enough that we were writing about her when she was 13 or 14, um, really? which is is something, you know, we do covering club meets um, in the U.S., but it's pretty rare for an international swimmer to catch our attention that early. And then she kind of had some issues with her coaches and just kind of disappeared. Um but her coming back is is crazy to me and breaking the Dutch record in the hundred free by half a second, you know, that's, that's a big deal. Um, Especially with I, the, their history and sprinting. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I'd love to see her win an Olympic gold medal. I think that would be one of the stories of the Olympics. I don't, I don't know if the broader world would pick up on that, but I think that would be one of the, the great stories of the Olympics. Yeah, Mara Steenbergen, so impressive. I pointed this out after last world. Compared to the other sprinters, she was still swimming considerably more because she was doing the Dutch prelims and finals relays. She was swimming the 200, she was doing the 200 IM, and yet she was still producing similar or even better results than a lot of her competitors at times. But I just think, in general, a positive takeaway that I have from this meet, because I don't want to be all negative, um, is that a lot of the quote-unquote bad performances, they're not as concerning as they would be at another World Championships meet, because you think of this meet as like you're you're training through it. So a lot of people are training through it. you still got a few more months left until Paris, and there's still a lot of time to learn from your mistakes from this meet and be better when you're going into Paris. Yeah, I agree for the most part. I, you know, I think Shane Casas is a, a different story. It's starting to feel like things are piling up there, um, where it's going to start to impact his psyche if it hasn't already. Um, something's something seems like it's not working for him. But you know, with Shane being who he is, he could show up at trials and pop off a forty nine hundred fly, and it wouldn't be that surprising either. So. Yeah, I, I I thought the the Steenbergen storyline was interesting too because we saw her swim the tuner free, she didn't even swim in the final, and then I forget where the two hundred IM was in relation to the hundred free, but she made the final but then didn't make it on the podium in the two IM, and those are both events we've seen her do very well in, and then the hundred free she pops a fifty two two and it's like oh, well at least there's some speed there like that well, we yeah. We saw a lot of swimmers, and I think it's probably indicative of how people were approaching this meet. Normally, we see this explosion of times at the beginning, and then by the end, because we, you know, we have a sense of how this happens because we know how much work we have to do, right? And so, day one, we have 15 records to write. By the last day, we might have one or two. Um, and this meet almost felt like the opposite. Like Ruta was terrible day one. Um, and then was good in the 50. Um, Daniel Liffin was not good day one, then won the 800 and the 1500. So maybe that's indicative of swimmers not coming into the meet with a lot of rest, but then getting some rest as it progressed. Because I assume, you know, even in offbeat world championships, they're not doing 8,000 meter sessions and, you know, trainings in between sessions. 
Right. Yeah. Like similar to like maybe a world cup circuit or an ISL thing where you, you had that built in rest. Um, yeah, just because you're, you're at a meet and you're not, you're not training. Um, I think you said this in a comment section at the beginning of the meet Braden, but it's like, it's still a world championships, right? Like people are, if you're there, you're going to try to swim fast. Still two and a half million dollars on the line. (laughs) That prize money. (laughs) Seriously. All right. Well, I'd say that's good on our world champs roundup. Uh, eight eight days of, of pretty darn good long course swimming. You in the middle so of Midwestern right now. <laughs> pretty darn good. good swimming. It's my Missouri coming out. <laughs> uh, and now starting tomorrow, we've got lots of conference championship action. Uh, Tuesday, today, Coleman. The start- SEC divers started today. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, the SEC the <laughs> SEC championships has now been extended into a forty-two day meet. So, look forward to for the next month and a half. Go big or go home. That's the SEC motto. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's SEC and ACC championships will start tomorrow evening, Tuesday evening, uh, with the Tuner medley and eight hundred free relays, and then women's Big Ten championships will start with those two relays on Wednesday evening. And then it's and then it's just the roller coaster uh, leaving the station from there. Let's start with SEC championships. Um, what swimmers are you guys looking for to make big waves to pop some eyes? I mean, I assume we're gonna get some fastest splits of all time in the Tuner Medley Relay on day one. Yeah. Uh, I'm really curious to see what Bella Sims is gonna swim. And I was thinking about this today, like if she will go best times at this conference or NCAA season as a freshman, just because her best times are so fast, especially in her like prime events. I'm excited to see the women's mid distance and distance swimmers period. Um, at SECs, I know Dune Coatsy scratched the meet, but there's still plenty of, really strong swimmers because women's distance is really really deep in the sec you've got bella sims rachel steggy abby mccullough emma wyant just and isabel ivy in the 200 so it might not it might i guess what women's distance has been faster this year than last year it's not like the fastest times but it's extremely deep and i'm just really excited to see how competitive it's going to be that field I guess I'm excited for the men's sprint freestyles. It seems too obvious, but somebody had to say it. You know, Josh Lando versus Jordan Crooks. Um, both, I'm sure, have bigger goals this year outside of the, the collegiate circuit. Um, but I think anytime those two guys are going head to head, that's a race to watch. Yeah. Especially I, I guess going back to what going back to what Coleman said about Bella Sims, you know, regardless of the times, I think um you know, we we all watched her stroke mid-season, her freestyle stroke, and it looked a lot different than it did in high school. Um, so seeing how she adapts to that, if that was intentional or if that was, you know, bad habits creeping in, um, to me that, you know, to the trained eye, watching that will be almost as interesting as um, the final result itself. 
Yeah, and I think if she does swim best times this season, it's going to be at this meet because uh, not that Florida chokes at NCAAs, but they usually perform really, really well at SECs and go or lights out. So I wouldn't be surprised to see if the best times come here, not NCAAs. Do you think what do you think her event lineup will be? Currently, she's entered in 100, 200, 500 free. Tuner back, tuner fly, tuner nine, ported I am. You can only swim three individual events at SEC. I absolutely hate it. I think she'll do 200, 500 free. I'm leaning towards tuner back. Yeah, well. that. I mean, that seems like the obvious choice. Yeah. It does. She swam a lot of backstroke this season. I think it's really interesting that she's swam the 100 fly and 100 back at a lot of dual meets but are is not entered in either one yeah i mean that's kind of what people do at dual meets they swim events that they won't really swim at championship meet like that's why leon marchand swims the hundreds all the time yeah i mean i guess if you are at that level of athlete where you don't feel like you need the race reps as much that works and i i assume bella falls into that category but it is a little curious to me that she we didn't see her racing like more I am or more distance freestyle throughout the season. But now, obviously, it seems like that's what she's doing. I don't see her swimming the 100 free, but I would love I would love it if she did. Hey, you know who else I'm excited about at SECs? Who? The fighting Texas Aggie man. <laughs> your, your got off to a rough start. They were suspended and then they weren't, and nobody really knows what. Oh, uh, they know what happened in between there. Um, and they <laughs> wanted to comment on Swim Slam, so I'm sure they'll let us know. Um, but <laughs> you know, they they look really good. I think this year could be Baylor Nelson's coming out party. We all know Baylor Nelson is a very good swimmer, and he's got all kind of age group accolades and stuff. But I don't think he's a name that comes to mind when people think SEC championships yet. Um, I so mean, he did the World Championships team last year. Yeah. But do you really think about Baylor Nelson? Like, when you're thinking about, hmm, who's going to make the Olympic team? Does Baylor Nelson jump into your head? <laughs> like, I don't, I, I went to Texas A&M, and it's not the first name into my head. Um, you know, they've got Alex Sanchez, who's the best 200 breaststroker. Uh, I think, I think A&M has been kind of building a, a core for a few years. Um, and then obviously Shane Costas leaving early sort of slowed that down, maybe delayed it a little bit. But I think Baylor Nelson is is in that same tier. And um, I think this this year and next year has got to be the year for the A&M men. It, ju it just seems like they're due to do something really big. So, I mean – I think you mentioned this, but just going undefeated in a dual meet season too, uh, which has never happened. Like they obviously have a lot of momentum heading into this championships and obviously winning a dual meet is a very different logistically than competing in a conference championships, but we will get to really see them show off their depth or see what their depth looks like, uh, at this conference championships. Yeah, I can totally see them getting second at this meet because Florida's a big heavy favorite, but Texas A&M, I think Auburn's gotten weaker since last year and they came second. I think Texas A&M, Georgia, they were all around that bubble. And I think this could be the year that Texas A&M takes that second spot. I really wish there was more parity 
into who would be winning this meet. But I think it's Florida men and Florida women pretty pretty soundly. Yeah. yeah there is much parody in college swimming. <laughs> I think I think both Georgia teams are probably better than they look on paper. Um, but yeah, I, it, they're just so deep. You know, I can't wait to, for next year. <laughs> yeah, the no, with with no, all of the, let next year <laughs> with all of the team switches and conference realignment, yada yada. It's it's going to be an interesting meet next year. But you know, this year I think we'll see a little bit more of the same as we did last year. It, it looks like Florida's meet to lose on both the men and the women's side. Let's switch over to the 2024 ACC meet where it will also be a little bit more of the same on the team perspective. Can't wait till next year. <laughs> uh, we got Cal and Stanford coming in hot next year. Yeah. But Cal and Stanford then, and the entire top 20 men's yeah. recruits. Oh, I no, that's the year after. One yeah, more for I that. Think yeah. The ACC is the only conference that improves swimming-wise when it comes to conference realignment. Like every other con – Actually, no, maybe the SEC with Texas, but... Texas doesn't make the SEC better? <laughs> Texas, well, <laughs> yeah. And then the Big Ten, I guess I guess US, USC versus Ohio State on the women's side will be interesting. I think USC at their best makes the Big Ten better. They're, they're down right now, but, I, you know, at their best, I think they make the Big Ten better. USC is not down right now. They, they're having the breakout year. Well, I mean, women, no, women. no, they're doing well, but they're in a valley. They, I mean, USC used to be a top five team, and they're oh, not that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they are, the, I, yeah. I mean, having they're, an they're on the right side really of the valley, good. I think, but, you know, yeah. they're still in the valley. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, <laughs> ACCs, uh, the, the Virginia women obviously – going probably going to win unless something catastrophic happens nc state men look the same way as well uh but what swimmers will you be watching we obviously have the walsh sisters and ellen nelson highlighting uva uh i think it'll be really interesting to see how some international swimmers react to coming back after swimming in doha i think i think gretchen walsh is going to go 47 in the hundred back hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. I think that's. I, I was. I wasn't sure if that was going to be controversial or no, not. No, no, that's not a hot take. <laughs> um, uh, NCAA record by a quarter of a second. Okay, whatever. Um, you know, it's it's there's there's so much to watch in this and the Walsh sisters and um, whoever else, whatever. I think the thing that matters the most to me out of this is Louisville, the Louisville women, especially because they. They came into the season with like top three at NCAA hopes. And it's as the season has worn on, Abby Hay is not swimming for them at ACCs. We don't know why. We've asked, but we don't know why. Um, as the season has worn on, it, it, it feels more and more like they're just like one or two swimmers short of achieving that. Um, even though coming into the season on paper, it looked like it was there for them. So I, you know, watching to see who can jump up for them and fill those slots, those one or two slots they need, um, in a, in a bigger picture sense is probably an interesting thing to watch. But yeah, it's just going to be about Virginia breaking records. I mean, that's that's at the end of the day what it's going to be, right? Great I want to see what Jasmine Nosentini does. 
I want to see, um, which I know Yin is interested in because she transferred out of Northwestern. Um, I want to see, I want to see if they put Amy Canny in the Hunter Breaststroke. They've been kind of talking about that all year long. And it, it seems like a stupid thing to say, except it's Virginia and that's just kind of what they do. And then she would show up and swim a 57 and that would be that. And she'd be a breaststroker then, um, just what South Africa needs another female breaststroker. But. <laughs> Braden, Yin Yin and I were discussing this right before you hopped on, but in talking about Louisville, I feel like they've kind of reacted to the the trend of swimming fast in season, but they're such they're so traditionally a championship only team and specifically an NCAA team, right? Like they they really don't or has historically have not really gone in on ACCs like other teams do. Do you think we'll see that shift or do you think we'll see them move up in the rankings in conf conference wise as they're trying to look for those one or two more swimmers to, to get them over the hump at NCs? Yeah, it's tricky because we, we know the data shows that they always add the most points at NCAAs, like consistently, no, not mm -hmm. always, but pretty consistently they're number one or top two. Um, and so it's, it's tricky for them, right? Because it's hard to get top three at NCAAs if you don't qualify enough people for NCAAs. It's really hard to get to top three at NCAAs if you only have eight or nine swimmers going. Um, so, you know, I, I always I always wonder, like, why don't teams split more? Like, why isn't there more, hey, my top seven swimmers who are already qualified, they're going to train straight through, and then my next seven swimmers are going to rest and try to get those cuts and maybe we can sneak in an extra swimmer or two um doesn't seem to be what's done nationally a lot it seems to be a whole lot of all or nothing that goes on um but yeah i don't know i don't know it's it's they have more sprinters than i think people know but beyond that especially without abby hay they're just there's and just not a lot of names you can point to say that again yeah. Union. Oh, I said Louisville also lost Liberty Williams to Alabama this year. Yeah. It's Braden. It's interesting that you bring up that point because Louisville is historically a championship team, but interestingly, last year, I'm pretty sure they scored less points than they were projected to score, and that was their best finish ever. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure they they added in a bunch of relay relays and really benefit. Well, they didn't. It, they didn't only get third because of this, but NC State had a relay that was disqualified, and I think that helped bump them um, up to top top four because it was between them. And I think it's going to be the battle. The battle for seconds was really close between them at ACCs. So I think last year was sort of different in the sense where they they were lights out at ACCs, then continue that into. NCAs, but we, we really didn't see much of them before that. And I think something similar is going to happen this year. So last year, Louisville was seeded to score. Why isn't this article telling you what I want to know? Here we go. They were seeded to score 242. 0.583 points. There was like a six-way tie on the, the psych sheets. So 242 points. What? And what they scored was this is this is great entertaining stuff. 
watching me Google. They scored 288. So they still went up 46 points. Not not what they usually do, but they still did in, improve. Okay, never mind. I was wrong on that. But, yeah. I mean, that is muted. And at the end of the day, they don't give out trophies for who drops the most time at NCAAs. Yeah. They give out trophies for who scores the most points and swims the fastest. Mm-hmm. Um, on the men's side, we have Louisville's got, again, Louisville has a few summers coming back from Doha. Uh, did NC State have guys in Doha as well? I think Casper Sokowski was there. I feel like he's one really interesting swimmer who I really enjoy watching in NCAAs, but hasn't quite made the jump to long course yet. I think he's made an international final or two, but he's been kind of stuck at that 5300 meter backstroke long course mm-hmm. and so i'm like i think he will swim really really fast at both accs and ncaa championships but i hope for his sake that he can translate that to long course say that again Braden. stokowski did swim at worlds he was not super fast he swam prelims and semis of the hundred back gotcha yeah. I'm personally very curious to see how the Notre Dame men swim. They're one of the most intriguing teams in the NCAA, in my opinion. Chris Giuliano sort of had his breakout moment last year at ACC's. And then uh, Tanner Fillion, the D- D3 transfer, he could potentially do something here. That would, That's a great story. Tate Bacon. They're, they're just a team that's been that's been on the rise and usually they a, a lot of them emerge at at this meet and i'm, I'm excited to see how they do um, really, the virginia tech men are bringing a bunch back from worlds carlos yeah, cole they, they marty basically the entire anyway. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I mean, all that's good. I think Quentin McCarty is due to do something big. I mean, he's already done a lot of good things this year. Um, Abdul Rahman LRB, God, I screwed that up. Um, skipped Worlds. He was entered in Worlds originally and scratched late. And basically, his explanation was coach said I should stay home. And I decided to be a good athlete and listen to my coach. So. Um, it seems that, you know, that leads me to believe that they have something big lined up um, for championship season, whether that's this week or in a month from now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, I think the men's sprints in the ACC are going to be a lot of fun to watch, too. Right. Then, uh, the, oh, what else? The injury. Sorry. Am I, am I hogging all of the time? I haven't <laughs> done this in so long. I have so much to say. Um, Yusuf Ramadan, who's swum almost no butterfly this season because he had that scooter injury, uh, but on paper should be one of the, the NCAA favorites. So he's probably got to start showing something now. It's always the college student athletes and their scooter injuries. <laughs> that, that happened well, at a, when I was at AM, I forget who it was, but one of the, the high level women broke her arm riding a bike somebody opened a car door and she rode into it. Yeah, but college campuses and and alternative modes of transportation are kind of death traps. I think that's sort of well known and we just accept it. 
Yeah, it's not going to stop anyone. Yeah, you're either going to get injured or you're going to get your bike or your electric scooter stolen. Okay. Maybe if you go to college in Chicago. <laughs> Here's my big question for eight, for men's men's ACC specifically. 200 medley relay day one, NC State. Who swims backstroke and who swims butterfly? Is, is, is it Casper on back? And uh, oh my gosh. Aiden Hayes. Aiden Hayes on butterfly, or is it Aiden on back and Casper on butterfly? I think it'll be Casper and Aiden. I think it's yeah. probably a wash on paper. So they'll just put them both where they're most comfortable. Yeah. Which right now for Aiden is butterfly, even though he came out of high school as a backstroker. Right. Yeah. Oh, see, like they've been doing all these time trials. They've been doing all these, like posting all these videos of speed. Maybe it's to throw people off, but I think it'll be Aiden Casper. I think they're, I think they have something and the, they've been working on something in the lab. And I think they, they think that will be the faster combination. Coleman, I want to say you're wrong, but I don't really know how to argue with you. So <laughs> you can just say he's wrong. Like, yeah. Coleman, you're wrong. You period at the end, then you, he can't, then that's it. Period. Just, I'm just saying, we've seen a lot of 20.350 backs in practice from Mr. Hayes. So. Yeah. Love cool. the practice swims. <laughs> Who's got a faster stopwatch, Todd DeSorbo or Braden Holloway? No, the, remember that one of them was with pads. Like it was um legit. No, no, no touchpad has ever been. We all know how to how to fudge the touchpads now. <laughs> thanks to high tech or whoever it is. Thanks Hashtag to Liberty University. We all know how to take swim spiracies. <laughs> Uh, and then finally, our last Power Five Conference Championship meet of the week will be women's Big Tens. I'm really, I'm, I'm personally really excited to see how the Matt Bow Michigan women will uh, perform and show out in his first season as head coach um, at Michigan, especially with Stephanie Balducini having a really solid meet in Doha. I assume she'll be swimming at Big Tens, but I actually don't know that for sure. It doesn't seem to take anybody too long to get back. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel Clinker swam at a dual meet for yeah. Cal. Two like days the, after that was Rachel very surprising. Yeah. <laughs> Good for her. Yeah. yeah. I'm, curious, I'm curious to see how Michigan does as well, because in the past few years, it's felt like Ohio State's been here, Indiana's been here, and then Michigan's been here. I want to see if Michigan has what it takes to maybe move up from here to here, just up closer to Ohio State and Indiana. I still think Ohio State and Indiana have more depth than Michigan, but it, it'll be very interesting to see how much they jump because they've made a lot of big improvements with Stephanie Bautucini and a lot of Lindsey Flynn, who's been pretty good um, just throughout her entire career. And uh, I, for, I forgot her name, but there's like a 500 freestyler who's pretty good. Katie, oh, Katie Crom, I think that's her name. Yeah, they just have a lot of improving swimmers and I'm excited to see. Is anybody else surprised that Michigan didn't get the same sort of energy bump that we've seen from other programs that have hired coaches of Matt Bowes, um, you know, caliber lately, you know, like, 
when Durden took over Cal, all of a sudden they have the number one recruiting class, Virginia and Todd DeSorbo, the Notre Dame momentum, even Pitt a little bit. It doesn't feel like Michigan has gotten that bump. And I don't know if, if we've gone to that well too many times in recent years that people that, that the last round of exciting new head coaches is still sort of sucking the air out of that, the room. Um, but I, I expected them to have more kind of top 10, top 15 recruits and all the fanfare that goes along with um, bringing in a new coach of that ability. I mean, I don't, this wasn't because of Bow because these recruits happened before, but, but they've had had pretty good recruits commit. Like, I think this year she's a freshman now, Hannah Bellard, and then next year they have Abby Dunford coming in. So th- those are two pretty, really good recruits. And so, and that's more than they've gone in the past. I, I'm, I am siding with Bray. I am surprised. That, that Michigan hasn't gotten that wave yet. And I mean, if you talk to any coach, I think they will tell you that, especially on the recruiting side, it does come in waves. And so, you know, sometimes you, you just get a class and then that kind of gets the momentum rolling. It also sometimes only takes one, you know, one top swimmer to get that ball rolling for schools. Maybe if Matt Bow had been at Cal a couple more years and like, you know, established himself as really a coach who can help win national titles for multiple years that might've helped his street cred a little bit, but I am, I have been surprised that the, the energy surrounding the program hasn't blossomed a little more. And, you know, it's his, I've also tried to not to make too much of it. It's his first season. I think it takes four or five years to really establish what you want to do on the team, the culture of the team um, as, as a head coach. But that's why I'm excited to see how they perform at Big Tens because this might be their coming out party of sorts and, and a, an opportunity certainly for Matt Bow to show what they've been working for these past eight months. Yeah. And I- so, so speaking of Matt Bow and his former program, Ohio State, where he was before Cal, right? Am I making yeah, that up? Okay. That's correct. Um, and then he was at Indiana you know, before it, that. <laughs> yeah. It feels like the window is closing on their streak a little bit. Not that they're going to fall off a cliff or anything, um, but they are relying on a lot of fifth years this year. I think they're they're clear favorite this year. Mm-hmm. Um, next year is going to be their biggest challenge yet. They get Kit Kat back. Just love, I love saying her name, Kit Kat's neck. Um, and, and so I think that, you know, her, when she announced she was coming back, I think that's probably a huge weight off of Ohio State next year. Um, but, you know, I, for them, I'm, I'm more looking for who's going to be the next Nia Funderburg, who's going to come out of nowhere and, and establish themselves as a force to see if they can make it six. I think they're going to make it five this year without a problem. Um, but then next year, it's, it's a little bit of a, a gap there, you know, their recruits are good, not great, but they've also done a nice job of developing recruits. Zanik is a great example of that. She was a nice swimmer coming out of high school, but has become a big 10 champion type swimmer. Um, so that's, that's what I'm looking for. The, the next Buckeye to carry the torch into 2025 and beyond. 
Yeah, I just want to go back to the Michigan topic, but not only do they have a really good coach in Matt Bow, who's been building a really strong reputation, but Michigan's also really much a very much a best of both worlds school because they're very academically strong and they're also a big sports school. I mean, their football team won the national championship. So it's really, I think, just from a school standpoint, not considering the swim team, I think it's a really good destination for a lot of non-revenue athletes. Yin Yin, give us give us the Northwestern breakdown. Who's who's gonna do it for Northwestern this year? Ayla Spitz has been carrying the team this year. I'm excited to see how she swims in her transfer bed. from Cal for anybody who doesn't know. Uh, yeah, transfer from Cal. Um, I, I'm not really sure about anyone else. There hasn't been anyone that's popped off that much, but I'm really just looking to see swimmers improving from where they were last year because Northwest the Northwestern women lost a lot of their NCA qualifiers and top performers. So this is really a rebuilding year for them. I, I'm more interested to seeing how the men perform in a week from now because they've got the really good recruits. But just, yeah, just excited to see progress. I, okay, I want to go back to Ohio State because <laughs> it is we, interesting we, this is amazing. <laughs> that like the first I feel like four years ago or five seasons ago when they won their first title or their first title of this streak it was kind of like they came out of nowhere they had a really solid conference team and it was like oh this is kind of pleasant this is a nice surprise and then they've just continued to build off of it and we haven't seen I think we've seen them do solid at NC2As, but like it's been clear that they are very much a conference built team and a conference focused team that can also do well at NCAAs and has that caliber of athlete. But that's what they're going for. And it's worked really well for about to be five years in a row. And I I think that's very commendable. Like they they chose a lane and they committed to it. And it again, it's paid off for them. I am really curious to see how Indiana, again, I don't think they're going to top OSU, but they have have some athletes who've really built some momentum. So you've got Mariah Dinnigan, who just made the Olympic team in open water. You've got Anna Poplowski, who made the world champs team last summer. You've got Ching Wigan, who's also, who's already a great distance swimmer. And so, yeah, they they have athletes. Got divers. They got divers. They have athletes. Yeah. Athletes. <laughs> and so I'm I'm interested to see if they can maybe get over that hump and would be curious to talk to their coaches to see if how much of an emphasis they are putting on that Big Ten versus NC2A. Because again, we know OSU kind of goes all in for, for for Big Tens. Yeah. So I want to go back to talk about Northwestern. <laughs> Just kidding. We don't need to talk anymore about Northwestern. <laughs> this conversation's giving me so much whiplash because, like, the bas- Big Ten basketball is also like nearing its like conference stage, and Ohio State and Indiana are two of the top women's basketball teams in the Big Ten. So it's like, what what, what sport are we talking about right now? <clears throat> oh, yeah, nobody cares. Caitlin Clark. That's all we want to hear about the Big Ten Seriously. women's basketball tournament. <laughs> It's the Caitlin Clark show. Everybody else is just supporting Cass. <laughs> it's time for our favorite segment in the Swim Swim Breakdown. Yin Yin tells us about other sports aside from swimming. 
Yeah, the last two weeks ago, we broke into a whole conversation about whether Caitlin Clark would turn pro or not. That was the time. <laughs> and now she's the most scoringest champion ever. Most scoringest. <laughs> All right, Caitlin Clark. All right, who who wins in a penalty shootout? J.C. Sheldon or Clay, Kate, Caitlin Clark? Why Jason Sheldon out of all people? I don't know. Why not? <laughs> she seems like she's got a boot. What if, okay. I know Caitlin Clark used to play soccer because I read a story about that. That is our world champs recap. That is our power five conference primer uh, for this week. Thanks for tuning into the swim swim breakdown and make sure to tune in every week for your week's news in swimming.